I'm not much of a dancer, but I was actually starting to feel something right there in that song. There, uh, that that just that's got some rhythm. That's good. That's that's good. You know, it really is. Uh, it's exciting just to have the history makers with us and uh, have some of our former students back. We didn't mean to leave Jess out as we were mentioning people visiting, but uh, and there's lots of other visitors I know today. It's just great to have you all with us. Thank you. I don't know if you get to see them, but there should be probably six more of our former students in town on Monday. They're coming up to spend some time with the history makers and just be together too, so we're excited about that. Um, it, is, it is encouraging to hear the testimony of young people about God working in their lives. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. We have some kingdom kids who, they go through that little period of like, I never really did anything that bad. Of course, uh, that's just because they really haven't quite seen God up close enough yet to really realize sort of who is the judge of what is right or wrong. But, you know, there's also, you see how much sin does damage us. And I'm just, I'm just grateful to God for every time anybody avoids the trap of sin. Because there's a damage that happens and even a consequence in this world. Of course, we think in eternal terms, but also just even in, in physical terms here in this life. And so it is so important that we, we seek to live a pure life, a life full of faith, a life doing it the way that God wants us to because He loves us so much. And that's really what the chapter of John chapter 10 is about as well. It's really an image of just how much God loves us. And what I'd like us to do is um, we're going to dim the lights and we're going to watch actually the uh, uh, video, <coughs> video presentation of all of, of uh, John chapter 10. I am telling you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way as a thief and a robber. The man who goes in through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice as he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. When he has brought them out, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow someone else. Instead, they will run away from such a person. Because they do not know his voice. Jesus told them this parable, but they did not understand what he meant. So Jesus said again, I am telling you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All of us who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Those who come in by me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life. Life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd who is willing to die for the sheep. When the hired man, who is not a shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. He leaves the sheep and runs away. So the wolf snatches the sheep and scares them. The hired man runs away because he is only a hired man and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, in the same way I know my sheep, and they know me. And I am willing to die for them. 
There are other sheep which belong to me that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them too. They will listen to my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I am willing to give up my life in order that I may receive it back again. No one takes my life away from me. I give it up of my own free will. I have the right to give it up. And I have the right to take it back. This is what my father has commanded me to do. Again there was division among the people because of these words. He has a demon! Crazy! Why do you listen to him? A man with a demon could not talk like this. How could a demon be to blind people? It was winter, and the festival of the dedication of the temple was being celebrated in Jerusalem. Jesus was walking in Solomon's porch in the temple, when the people gathered round him. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? Tell us the plain truth. Are you the Messiah? I have already told you, but you would not believe me. The deeds I do by my father's authority speak on my behalf. You will not believe, for you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never die. No one can snatch them away from me. What my Father has given me is greater than everything. And no one can snatch them away from the Father's care. The Father and I are one. And the people again picked up stones to throw at him. I have done many good deeds in your presence, which the Father gave me to do. For which one of these do you want to stop me? We do not want to stone you because of any good deeds, but because of your blasphemy. You're only a man, but you're trying to make yourself God. It is written in your own law that God said you are God's. We know that what the scripture says is true forever. And God called those people gods. The people to whom his message was given. As for me, the Father chose me and sent me into the world. How then can you say that I blaspheme? Because I said that I am the Son of God. Do not believe me then, if I am not doing the things my Father wants me to do. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, you should at least believe my deeds. In order that you may know, once and for all, that the Father is in me, and that I am in the Father. Once more they tried to seize Jesus, but he slipped out of their hands. 
Jesus then went back again across the Jordan River to the place where John had been baptizing, and he stayed there. Many people came to him. John performed no miracles, they said, but everything he said about this man was true, and many people there believed in him. Great, we'll take some light. Thanks. You know, you start to realize as you look through the Gospel of John just how much intensity there is. On one hand, Jesus is giving us this image which is so comforting and so peaceful. I mean, when you picture a shepherd with his flock, doesn't that sort of make you feel relaxed? I, I sort of picture a nice green area. Of course, uh, many of the areas where people were driving their flocks in Israel were not quite so green. Uh, grass was hard to come by in many areas. But they were, you know, there was this, this image of, of beauty and nature and just everything so wonderful. And yet Jesus stood up and made this claim. He said, I'm the good shepherd. And people took offense at him. Because he was claiming to be God. Claiming to be God's son. You know, this, this story follows something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And that was the story of the blind man, the man born blind, who was healed. And rather than celebrating it, the Jewish leaders were upset that Jesus had healed him on a Sabbath. Like they were picking at the miracle. And here's a guy who's been blind his whole life. Now he can see. And rather than just go, this is great. They were upset that it didn't happen according to their rules. I want us just to think a little bit about this image. That Jesus is the good shepherd. You know, Jesus loved to use these parables because it really spoke to people's everyday lives. And it probably wasn't far from the truth that right at the beginning of the clip, there was somebody with a, a group of sheep sort of making their way through the street. In other words, sheep were everywhere. Uh, farmers, many of your neighbors would have been farmers. I mean, this was the standard way that people lived, either with flocks or by working the fields. This was normal life. And so Jesus used these pictures to create an image of himself. But there's also an image where this is right and it's wrong. There's a shepherd has a flock. He has a group of sheep that are his responsibility. He's not responsible for everybody's sheep. He's responsible for his sheep. And Jesus says, I am the shepherd who takes care of his sheep. And the image that he's talking about most of the chapter is I'm the shepherd, you're the sheep. But look over just in verse 7 for a moment. Verse 7, Jesus talks about being the gate. And it says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And Jesus was probably looking at a sheep pen, which typically would only have one entrance. And he was thinking, do they realize that there's only one way to have the blessings that God wants to give every person? That it's only in Jesus Christ that we can have this confidence 
that God is with us. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can know that we're saved. It's only because of that sacrifice that we can be confident in this life. And though heaven... Who's encouraged by the thought of heaven? Okay, yeah, that, that, that's a, a game changer. When you start to believe in heaven, you start to understand maybe there's, maybe there's something to this life too, something important to be decided, to be done, to be accepted from God. If you believe in heaven, then it's going to affect how you live right now. But Jesus also said He came so that the quality of our life here would improve. Now, did Jesus promise we'd all win the lottery? No. Did Jesus promise that our government's economies, our national economies, would never have any problems? Did He promise that we'd always have jobs? And the hope of a better one? And the better one? You know, did, you know, is that what He's talking about? We, we know that's not the world we live in. But what He did promise is He'd take care of us. What he did promise is he'd give us what we need. And so he's made that promise. Acts, uh, sorry, Matthew 6.33 Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So he does want to be involved with the day to day. You know, everybody that we interact with for the most part in any kind of serious reaction, interaction they want something from us. Anyone have a boss who doesn't want anything from them? Anyone have a neighbor who doesn't want anything from them? Anyone have a parent who doesn't want anything from them? Anyone have a child who doesn't... You know, it's part of the relationships that we have. People have expectations. They want something. Now, now also, people want good for others. People have a plan for others. And see, what we need to understand is no one has such a good plan as God. That He is the Good Shepherd. That Jesus came to bring us together. There's no other way to God except by Him. As He said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Me. Well, let's just read a little bit about Jesus describing Himself as the Good Shepherd. Because it's an encouragement for us. He's our shepherd. But he's also calling us to imitate him. We're his disciples. We need to live the way he lived. So pick us up in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd because I'm laying down my life for you. When Jesus came and took human form, what was the limit of his willingness to give? What was the limit? You know, there was no limit, was there? In fact, for Jesus, it wasn't done until on the cross, He breathed His last and He said, it is finished. And it'd be convenient to come down to the world and maybe preach a message of repentance and change and a hope of heaven. It'd be convenient just to, to share the truth. But, but think about our God who was willing to suffer with us. 
To actually feel our pain. To know hunger and tiredness and thirstiness. To know frustration. To know the sense that, why isn't anybody with me? Why am I feeling so alone? Jesus knows these things. And then He bore them to death. He didn't escape. You know, you see these TV shows where people are able to teleport to various places, you know? And uh, Star Trek, I grew up with this. And so, from the spaceship, they could, they could teleport down onto the planet. And see, the thing is, whenever things got dangerous, what did people do? Beam me up, Scotty. You know, they'd open up their little communicator device, they say, beam me up! Get me out of here! You know what's amazing about Jesus? God could have beamed him up at any time. And he had a much better place than a starship to go to. He could have been beamed up at any time. But he stayed here for us. So as we go through our difficulty and our suffering, he understands us. We know that he understands us. And in fact, no one suffered like him because he was completely innocent. You know, occasionally I suffer innocently. Most often I suffer guiltily. I suffer because I'm doing something that causes a change in certain... You know, I'm provoking other people. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But Jesus was perfect, and yet he didn't desert the sheep. He was willing to go through our pain. And so read a little further... Verse 14, he said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. You said, I'm the good shepherd because I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You know, we have right here a flock. Now it is comforting to know that we have a spiritual leader. A singular leader of this flock. And it's not Andy. It's comforting to know it's not Andy. It's Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd of this flock. And so it's important for us to feel that, that, that we're His sheep. That when we help each other in whatever way, we're helping Jesus' sheep. He became our brother and made us brothers and sisters in a very special way. Jesus has done something amazing for us. But he says here, there's sheep that you don't know about. Do you know that there's sheep that are supposed to be in this flock that live in our neighborhoods? There are sheep of Jesus's that are at our workplace. Now they don't even know that there's a shepherd yet, many of them. But Jesus is looking at them and he's not, he knows, that's one of my sheep. I need someone to bring them in to the flock. I need someone to make the introductions. 
to be introduced. And so we have an amazing mission because it's great to be part of a flock. It's great to have the relationships we do. It's great to be able to travel across the world and meet a bunch of people that you've never seen before and then weep two weeks later when you leave. I mean, it's the story of my life in a way. There's an amazing blessing, and that is you can travel so many places in the world and there's brothers and sisters everywhere. But then there's a pain of separation. And that's what I think heaven even takes on a greater picture. In heaven, there'll be time to catch up with all the sheep. All the sheep will be together. And that's going to be one big sheep pen. And there's going to be one shepherd and one flock. It's a beautiful picture. But what Jesus then spends the rest of the chapter talking about is basically, are you hearing my voice? And as he was preaching, people were taking up stones because they heard what he was saying, but they didn't believe it. Believe it. Your shepherd is the Son of God. God in the flesh who laid down his life for us. That is our shepherd. You know, this image of shepherd and and there's a, a little study here on your notes. You can, you can look at this in your quiet times this week. But if you look through the Old Testament, the idea of being a shepherd is very powerful. It's one of God's favorite images of leadership. That a shepherd is a leader. That leadership is shepherding. That there's a connection between that. You're taking care of something precious. And it requires your attention, your life, to do a good job about it. In fact, if you're really going to protect the flock, your life may be in danger. And so there's a lot of scriptures because God describes himself as a shepherd, but then also talks about the leaders of his people as being a shepherd. And I want us to close by looking over in Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Because in Psalm 23, David identifies God as the singular shepherd of our souls. And it's a beautiful passage because we're not just told here that life is going to be easy. What we're told is it's going to end well, and there'll be moments of rest along the way. Anyone like a moment of rest? Yeah, you know, rest is good. We have... uh, we have, uh, most of the school kids are off next week, for a week. And the kids are happy, and the, kid, and the parents are working hard, trying to figure out how to deal with this. And, uh, you know, those that are able to are able to take a little holiday, too, and share it with the children. But the truth is, rest is something we always look forward to. Have you ever had too much rest? No, well, I, I didn't know what the answer to that was going to be. Okay. I don't. I haven't had too much today so far. I got to go to bed last night at quarter after seven this morning because I was working. I had two video presentations I had to make: one for Russian missions and one for the, the Birmingham Church reporting to the church in Seattle. Anyways, I got to find someone else to do these things. But anyway, uh, you know, I can tell you the sun comes up at four thirty. In case you're curious. <laughs> But uh, I did get five hours sleep. I was praising God we have an afternoon service. I was very grateful for that. 
But you know, last night I was looking forward to rest. Now I was being very optimistic, and I was thinking at first, by 11 I'll be in bed and have a little lie-in. It's, it's Sunday morning. Then I, I was like, okay, I'm shooting for one. Then I was shooting for three. And then I stopped shooting. And I just said, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to keep going till it's time, time to push the send button and it's gone. Okay, so, you know what I'm saying? But, but looking forward to rest brings peace even now. In the moments where they're difficult, knowing what's ahead really helps. And this is the hope that we have in Christ. Look in Psalm 23. And see, this is the Lord is my shepherd, but let's just talk about Jesus here. Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Jesus makes me lie down in green pastures. It's funny, sometimes you have to make your kids lay down. Right? Jesus makes me lie down in green pastures. Jesus leads me beside quiet waters. Jesus restores my soul. Jesus guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Jesus is with me. He's already been here before. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, you know, the staff had a little hook on it, so you could rescue a stranded sheep on the cliffside or whatever. And, and the rod, that's just a stick. Now, what is, what's going on with those two? Well, the, the staff is rescue, and the stick is guidance. Little tap here, little tap there, sometimes a little stronger, you know. But what, do you, what does he say? He goes, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, even when God's giving us some nudges, He's giving us a little bit of a, a, a knock with the stick. He's getting our attention and sometimes even like, wait, what's going on? He just wants us to know there's a path. He's guiding us. And sometimes we feel a little confined because He's rescuing us. He loves us enough to engage with us. I mean, who likes conflict? I, I don't. I am an, I'm an absolute in my flesh conflict avoider. But you know, when you love someone, you're willing to take a step and enter into some conflict. You know, when you love someone, you'll guide even when they don't want your guidance. When you love someone, you'll correct. When you love someone, you'll encourage. But what Jesus did so well is He already walked the path. He walks with us now. When you love someone, you're with them. So He goes on to say, Jesus, You prepare a table before Me in the presence of My enemies. Jesus anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, there's a lot of thieves and robbers out there, and they're saying, live life our way. We'll guarantee you happiness. Get all the money you can. Get all the power you can. Do these various things. Be acceptable to the people of the world. 
And yet these people are robbers and thieves. And they really don't have our best interest in mind. But there is a shepherd who wants us to live life and live it to the full. He is the good shepherd. He knows your name. Let's use his. Let's call to him. Let's be his sheep. And let's find those lost ones out there that are just waiting to come in. Let's bow in prayer as the worship team takes their spots. Our Father God, we thank you that you are the ultimate example for every good thing in our lives. And Father, you are the giver of every good gift. And the greatest gift that ever left heaven was your Son. Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus to us. Thank you that he put up with the kind of people that we saw just in this video clip. People that were so indignant about, his, about the truth about who he was and his authority. But Father, I pray that we really ask questions of our own hearts. Are we resisting the leadership and guidance of Jesus? Are we not seeing the path that he's put out before us? I pray that we can see him as the good shepherd who only wants our best and who allows us to go through difficulty, even the valley of the shadow of death, because he knows that he's with us and he's leading us to a better place. Father, I thank you for the friends and the brothers and sisters that we have here today. And I pray that we can be a blessing in each other's lives. I pray that we can imitate the heart of Jesus and even though we're all sheep, that we can in some way shepherd each other. To help each other find strength in you. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.